you seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Thursday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer at the New York Stock Exchange. David Faber has the morning off. Coming off that ugly close on Wednesday, and it is risk off again as oil, copper, iron ore drop on these global growth concerns. China rolls in with some fresh regulation. Goldman cuts its GDP forecast. Got the 10-year below one and a quarter. Our roadmap begins with futures deep in the red following the worst daily performance in about a month. The Fed closing in, we think, on tapering meantime. Plus, Robinhood shares down after its first earnings report as a public company. And in a few moments, we'll talk exclusively with Cisco CEO Chuck Robbins about the quarter. But, Jim, I, uh, I know you're watching materials for sure as we got crude almost back to 63. Well, look, there's been a, a change in the Permian. Uh, last week, the rig count was up. First time, was up, and it's up pretty significantly. So we've been very uh, restrained in our pumping. But I think there's a lot of oil companies that just decided, you know what, 70, turn it on. And now it's coming back down because of us. And at the same time, clearly, I mean, Chuck Robbins says it too. Everyone's saying it. But look, who knows what the variant's going to do? The variant's going to slow things. We know that uh, travel and leisure can be cut back by this. But it, it, it's America. We're pumping. Uh, we just make too much money here. Discipline being lost. And I think that that is the secret about what's going on other than this potential slowdown. Right. So the slowdown... Sort of, as you've said this week, flies in the face of the minutes we got yesterday. Yes. Where they explicitly talk about this year, talk about most participants. In fact, BAML today brings forward their call for a taper announcement. Why? Uh, it, it eludes me. Uh, I think it's uh, when, when Dr. Topol, my authority, is uh, on Stephen Colbert, talking about the need to, for boosters, I, I, yeah, I, don't, I don't feel like going out there and having a good time. I think that there's this medical problem. The medical problem, public health problem is the, the Fed guys don't know how to do it. I mean, they don't know. And I think that they're unwilling to say, you know what, we really don't know uh, because we don't have data. But that's what they'd be better served doing. And these people, the, all these different firms are saying pull it forward. Uh, what happens if we see a dramatic slowdown because of because the breakthroughs? And I think that, therefore, it's worth waiting. That's why I, I, I think prudence says, let's see if there's more breakthroughs. Uh, once we get the boosters going. What's going to happen? Two months? Can we just give it two months? Uh, honestly, I, I find that the whole desire to front run the, uh, the booster eludes me entirely. Uh, Makes no sense. Yeah, indeed. Uh, JPM at least did say that uh, an announcement at Jackson Hole is unlikely. That's right. a little too early. Maybe you get some kind of advance notice about a taper at the September meeting, but most are in November and December at this point. Right, but I also come back and say, wait a second, uh, the market at 3.30, the Europe was you know, looking really down. Four o'clock goes down. 4.30 goes down more. Now, as far, far as I'm concerned, if Europe is in control, which I think it is versus the futures, the, they're not talking about tapering over there. And they don't know, what, they don't know Jackson Hole from um, Hold <laughs> Right, right. And so then I want to revert to how the companies are doing. And we're going to be speaking to Chuck Robbins. But we got to face facts that our companies, almost everybody this quarter, 
has been unbelievable. And this week has been incredibly strong. Uh, no doubt. We're going to get to all the retailers. We got raise guidance at Wolf. We got raise guidance at Macy's. Uh, but Hood is going to be the one to think about as they warn about lower activity well, in the September quarter. I think that Hood might be, we have to worry about whether Hood's AMC. I mean, AMC, there was a price adjustment yeah, there. Yeah, that's over at City. One, one to $3. Uh, that the people who, if you see a lot of options activity in Hood, in Robin Hood, well above where the stock is now, that means they're back. The people who feel like that this this is a stock that should be anointed. I saw that there was a lot of GameStop being sold yesterday. I, I, this is kind of a an odd thing to be discussing, but we, people discuss head and shoulders. So, I, but they, I think they were gearing up to be able to try to keep Robin Hood in the air. I don't know if they can, given the fact that uh, when you peel back the onion of Robin Hood, it seems like it's a Dogecoin uh, gateway. Uh, the numbers are quite surprising about how much is Dogecoin. And uh, it's very clear to me that this is a company that uh, is become a crypto company with some equity. It's funny you say that because that's exactly what they talked about uh, on some of the communication behind the print. Take a listen. Our customers are showing a lot of interest in crypto. In fact, This is the first quarter where we saw a larger share of new customers place their first trade in crypto rather than in equities. And our customers are asking for more from us. We're investing heavily in our team. We're working on rolling out new crypto features, such as more coins, recurring investments, the ability to deposit and withdraw your crypto. Wow. Um, That's with options revenue up 48. Again, yeah, not not what I, when I say not what I want, I'm saying versus, say, Morgan Stanley in E-Trade. I, I don't think that, that uh, James Gorman has got a lot of people doing Dogecoin. And the Dogecoin numbers are really extraordinary in terms of that's, that's the favorite. Uh, then there was something that I found very quizzical, having been in this business for 40 years. They, uh, boy, date myself. They're talking about seasonality, that seasonality is going to be bad in September. Well, uh, that's when you kill it in the business. The seasonality is fabulous in September. So I don't know what kind of calendar they're on. And look, and I like Robin Hood. I mean, I don't know what the guys who hate Robin Hood are saying, but, you know, it, it's just to say we, ex- the, across the, we expect lower trading activity across the industry to result in lower revenues, considerably lower new funded accounts. That's just not true. There are no seasonal headwinds. There's seasonal tailwinds. See, people come back from yes, vacation it's not, and they um, start doing whammy jamma trade. It's not buy in October or not sell in October no, and go away. But they say that stuff. And again, I, I preface by saying I like them. But, you know, I, I was born at night, but not last night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so are you thinking of them, for example, the CFO told R.K. Rooney, I think, that the idea of them as a meme name doesn't resonate because they want to portray them as a, a growing, evolving, broader po- platform. Do you see them like that? Or are they basically a play on gamification and memes? Uh, this is a quarter that they laid out a lot of very positive things about what could happen. And, but it's not happening yet. Right now, it does feel... I mean, if you're basing your business on opening accounts that are Dogecoin, that, that's not exactly opening your accounts with, uh, the fi- with five-year treasuries. With notes. Uh, and it's, it's also not opening accounts with a mutual fund. It's not opening accounts with, with just uh, with companies. And I think that that's, they have to be careful. That's not as sustainable as you'd like. Now, I know that there are Dogecoin fans, but 
that's my least favorite of well, that's everybody's least favorite of the of the cryptos because it does seem a mockery of a sure. of a sham uh, as it was intended to be originally. Yes, uh, some argue, and, and that's what they went for. Well, you know, it's because it's low price, and yeah. uh, the irony of the call is that somehow they think this is fine. I mean, I was hoping that what they would do is say, and our, a lot of our younger investors are buying. They're buying interesting companies like uh, the genomic companies. Or they, they like the, uh, the stocks that are, say, Ford. It seems to have made a turn. I like that. Instead, it's Dogecoin. And that's not the narrative that they were tracing before they were coming public. I think that the stock would not be where it is if they said, listen, people are opening accounts and they're opening it with Dogecoin. It's, the stock just simply wouldn't be where it is. And I found it revelatory and, and somewhat sad. I was hoping it would not be this case because I do like the company so much. But Robinhood's customers demonstrated significant interest in cryptocurrencies with over 60 percent of our net cumulative funded accounts trading in crypto. Sixty percent. Wow. Yep. I mean, that's like, wow. Yep. And it's it's a the whole narrative is something that you tried to talk to them about around the timing of the IPO. Take a listen to one more soundbite. With. Um what we've seen in retail investing over the past year is that a lot of these companies have been hit hard by the pandemic, right? And you see it started with uh, some of the airlines and then followed with some of the retailers, um, some movie chains and, uh, and brick and mortar. Right. And, you know, you, you have the institutions that are basically writing these companies off and then retail investors coming in and, and, and keeping them up and supporting so them. That- I don't know if if people have understood the ramifications of what high retail participation in the markets means. But I think fundamentally it's a very good thing, and and we're excited to to be a part of it. So he's clearly referring there to the meme meme play, the meme Yeah, well, look, the memes may keep it up. Uh, One of the most important things that I found, my daughter sends me this, by the way, the Robinhood Snacks newsletter. I call it, of course, the... uh, Pepper's Farm Goldfish newsletter. Uh, but they had 24.6 million unique people over the, in newsletter, up 171% year over year. Now, the only reason I mention that is because it's as close to research as they have. They're adding more things. They're getting more educational. They have to do these things. But the, the contra, and they want to be a single source of truth, and I get that. But they may have to educate people that while you might start, maybe Dogecoin's a gateway. It's almost like when my father used to say, do I smell marijuana? That's a gateway to heroin. I said, Pop, no, first of all, I didn't take marijuana. But second, <laughs> it's not like that. It's not a gateway to heroin. I mean, I don't want Dogecoin to be a gateway to heroin. I want Dogecoin to be a gateway to blue chips. <laughs> yes. uh, I, I, that, that's not happening yet. Yeah. We're going to look for signs of it, though, uh, and we'll watch how Hood trades today. Uh, when we come back, we're going to have an exclusive with Cisco's Chuck Robbins. Uh, stock are looking to open down about 2%. And don't miss the CEOs also of Intel, Macy's. We've got Kathy Wood on uh, the 11 today. Jeff Gannett of uh, Macy's going to join us. Take a look at the futures. We will get to, to Cisco, NVIDIA, Estee Lauder, Toyota cutting production, and Zuck talking about the metaverse this morning. More Squawk on the Streets back in a moment. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. 
You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. You know, sometimes, Carl, people just don't get it. They'll sell a stock because the company didn't pay. Beat and raise, beat and raise, beat and raise. But the company may be doing very well. And here I'm speaking about Cisco, whose stock appears under pressure for the moment, even though they really kind of crushed a lot of the aspects that I look for. Uh, And I also think, by the way, some people felt guidance was off. I think guidance was strong. So joining us now for a CBC exclusive interview, Cisco chairman and CEO Chuck Robbins. Hey, Chuck, did you have a bad quarter? I think uh, when you look at uh, our product order rate being the highest growth in over a decade and the largest quarter in the history of the company, and uh, the team's just executed incredibly well. Uh, we have, uh, you know, we, we had $4 billion in software revenue in the quarter. We had 160 plus percent growth in our sales to the cloud providers. Uh, and, and there's even more. But I mean, it was just a great quarter. Our teams did a phenomenal job, and I'm really proud of what we accomplished. I've always, since I followed your company, since when Mr. Mordridge was CEO, I always looked at orders as the way to be able to figure out what was going to go. Enterprise up 25 percent, public sector up 22, commercial 41, service provider up 40. I'm used to seeing uh, service provider. Why is that down nine? Can you tell me what's going on? So, Chuck, this seems very, very broad based. Despite the fact that you had to say at the beginning that you do have the Delta variant and you're not sure exactly what's going to happen. Well, when you look at that order growth, Jim, I think for years the service provider segment has been a, a headwind. And, you know, five, six years ago, we sold absolutely nothing to any of the cloud providers, the web scale players. And we worked hard for years. We, we designed our own silicon. We've built new products, the Cisco 8000. And we've won franchises as they go through this 400 gig transition. So that, that part of our service provider segment was up 160%. But our telco carrier business was up double digits. Our cable business was up double digits. And that web scale cloud business now comprises 30% of that segment. So it's meaningful. So the teams did great. Enterprise is, uh, is doing really well in light of hybrid work and hybrid cloud and, you know, this whole Wi-Fi 6 and, and rebuilding their infrastructure for the return to office. So there are just a lot of great transitions that are happening that are in our favor right now. You know, Chuck, I have always asked you and your predecessor, uh, Mr. Chambers, would you please give us yearly guidance? And the rap was always, Jim, it's an uncertain world. You gave yearly guidance last night. We did, Jim. You know, if, if we go back several years, we started this transition to create a more predictable business model, more recurring revenue, more software. And, you know, as, as of this quarter, we're on a $16 billion run rate in our software business. And in Q4, 81% of that came from subscriptions and SaaS. So what that fundamentally does is it gives us more visibility. And it gives us the ability to look out over several quarters and have greater conviction about what our revenue is going to be. So we felt comfortable doing it, even though it's a bit of an uncertain time. And, you know, this is one of the benefits of having Scott Heron, who's gone through this transition at Autodesk before. He really understands how this works. And uh, so we felt comfortable doing it, and we thought it was time. Chuck, you know, not to be too much of a broken record, but we've been chatting with you about supply challenges for most of the year. Uh, In the past, we've talked about it lasting through the end of 21. Now you're talking about first half of fiscal and maybe the second half. Um, How long are we going to keep extending this? 
Well, first of all, good morning, Carl, and uh, it's good to talk to you too. Uh, you know, look, this is a this is a moving target, the whole supply chain situation. I think everybody who's come on the show, everybody who's talked, who's uh, delivered earnings, whether you're an auto manufacturer or a high-tech company, has talked about these challenges. And, you know, the thing for us that's important is that our supply chain organization has been rated number one in the world by Gartner two years in a row. So you can assume they are doing everything they can and, and they're world class. But we do believe it's going to be with us through, you know, the end of our first half of the year, which is January. And we did say that it could actually, you know, move into the second half of the year. And there's just we're, we're just going to have to wait and see how things go. Uh, we're hopeful that that uh, improves, but I think our teams are executing pretty well. And the fact that we're able to give full year guidance in the midst of a Delta variant and supply chain, I think, gives you a sense of how confident we are in the business. Yeah, I, and you, the guidance thing is is big, as Jim said, and it, it does point to the sweet spot you're in. And I wonder, you know. One of the most bullish things we've been hearing about corporates is this idea that productivity is going to get us through the, at least the next few years. It's going to be one of the saving graces uh, for corporate America. And I, I got to imagine that that is a big part of the tailwind that you're seeing right now. Well, I think everyone was surprised at how productive we were uh, during this pandemic, even though there was a lot of stress in the system. And the technology held up. And I think you have, you have CEOs and CXOs around the world. You have government leaders around the world who came to realize the true power of the technology. And now as we return to office, as we prepare for hybrid work, you know, there's, there, everyone is investing in order to be prepared and, and to gain competitive advantage. And I think what we've seen over the last couple of months is with the Delta variant, every leader now is saying, wait a minute, not only do I have to prepare for return to office, I have to prepare for a fully adaptable and resilient situation going forward because if we have another variant nine months from now, I may have half my workers going home again. It's just, and I need to be able to support that in a very robust way. And no one wants to be caught with, you know, out-of-date infrastructure, out-of-date technology if that happens again. You know, Chuck, you do a lot of things, and uh, I've talked about this, that you're subtle about. You made an acquisition for a company that is not being talked about enough on your call or anywhere else, this slide out. Uh, let's say, I mean, this makes WebEx to be much more robust than Zoom. And if you listen to what you just said about hybrid, you want to hybrid, you want to do it. So let's say we had a gigantic audience participation at Cisco and we decided that your sport code is just too crazy. With Slido, <laughs> could we not have an ongoing discussion among hundreds of people? Because I think this product is something that you stole and it's going to be fantastic for you. I think it's great. What I, would, what I would ask everybody out there to do is to take a look at the WebEx suite that we've put together. I think that, uh, you know, in talking to many of the analysts out there, they, they've said that, you know, during the pandemic, everybody used whatever technology they could. But as you go forward, you should be looking at an architectural decision for hybrid work. This is not about meetings and conferencing. It really is about the hybrid experience. And so I think everybody should take a look at WebEx Suite. Slido is one great example, Jim. We could poll the audience to see whether the Braves or the Phillies are going to win the division or, you know, how the Eagles versus the Falcons are going to do this year. We could, we could have interesting Ouch. polls like that in addition to my sports coat. Well, I, that's what I love about it because it is so robust. Now, one last thing. You, as you become more of a software company, you start talking about RPO which is the remaining performance obligation. You got $30 billion. That's basically money in the bank. We learned that when Salesforce had to do it. But when I listen to your analysts, I swear, Chuck, let's stick with that Atlanta Falcons uh, uh, analog, uh, the, uh, analog right now. I listen to them, and they hear RPO. I think they think run pass option. They don't seem to understand what's <laughs> happened with your company. 
Well, you know, RPO is emerging as one of the most uh, telling signs of a successful software transition. And the fact that we, we crossed $30 billion for the first time, <clears throat> that is revenue that we will be recognizing over the next few years. And about half of that will be recognized in the near term. And, you know, I, I think back to <clears throat> our guidance last quarter, Jim, and I'll tell you that with the software transition, we were able to guide 6 to 8% for Q4. And uh, we went back and looked at the business model from five, six years ago, and had we still been operating in that same business model, our revenue guide would have been significantly lower. So the impact of what we've been doing is actually showing up, and we're going to keep doing what we're doing, and we think that we're going to be great over the next few years. Well, I'm going to congratulate you, Chuck. I mean, what I'm looking for is orders. They were huge. Looking for software, recurring revenue, fantastic. And I think that a lot of things are going right. Last time the stock went down, too, and then it was turned out to be one of the best buying uh, opportunities. I think that will happen again. Chuck Robbins, thank you so much for coming on Squawking the Street. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Carl. Good to see you, Chuck. Uh, from uh, Chuck to another big interview coming up in the next hour. Don't miss an exclusive with Intel's Pat Gelsinger. We'll talk about uh, chip investment and a bunch of other things facing the industry and the country. In the meantime, futures still weak here as we get a Thursday session underway. And Squawk on the Street continues in a moment. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create like Olu Shehi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Yesterday's close was uh, pretty tough. S&P lost about 50 points in the final hours. And uh, China, Europe not behaving well. Hang Seng down almost 3% overnight. Futures week here. Kramer's Mad Dash is up after the break. Time for Kramer's Mad Dash. We count down to the opening bell. People take their cue from the futures before they take the cue from the fundamentals. Estee Lauder reported really a rather remarkable quarter. They got it up. Uh, organics, 13 to 11 percent, 11 to 13 percent. But, but remember, Estee Lauder's both makeup, but it's also clear skin. Clear skin doing better than makeup. Uh, new forecasts of 13 plus 16 percent are doing incredible greater China, joining Apple, Starbucks, and Nike as the companies that really just are unstoppable when it comes to China. Stock was up four. Now it's coming in. I think it's coming in in part because people just say, you know what, I'm going to just smack the head of anything that's up, whether it be Macy's, whether it be Kohl's, or whether it be Estee Lauder. But then I think you'll regret that, because this Estee Lauder quarter is much better than expected. Even two days ago, we had a piece saying that, that uh, Fabrizio Freda, the excellent CEO, would guide things down. So uh, take it as a grain of salt that Estee Lauder today may, do, may not do that well, but this is a much better quarter than I thought. Yeah, 10% above a pre-pandemic, and that's without duty-free, the margins there are super fat, right? It's amazing uh, they did where, it. I remember when I first met Fabrizio, he said, do you know duty-free? And I said, yeah, it always looks like a bargain. I spent a lot of money. And he said, oh, yeah. And, you know, they have a lot of products that are actually quite expensive but are loved. Uh, Joe Malone, uh, uh, Tom Ford. And when you get them for people, people get excited. Now, Sephora, by the way, did very well. For, it's doing very well for Kohl's. So makeup there is good. But this is clear skin. And remember, when you wear mask, you need clearer skin. 
uh, as we all know, and we all try to pretend that we don't. No, it's... I pulled clear so for the first time since I was 15. <laughs> Benzoyl peroxide, yes. It's a problem. Uh, it is a problem. You know, it is a problem. Um, uh, the, the reopening plays are, are obviously getting a lot of attention. MSG, of course, Madison Square Garden, uh, Disney. Yeah. Disney charging extra fee if you want to jump the line. I thought that Disney back at 172, uh, I, you, know, you, you get a lot of people who are saying, wait a second, maybe uh, Dr. Gottlieb's ahead of him saying the peak. But uh, do you really think, if you don't think that COVID is going to ever be under control, even with boosters, sure, I could see selling Disney at 170. But if you think that there's a chance and you just got this pass that gets in front of the line, they're doing a lot of things, then I don't know if this is the great thing to throw away. I don't think this is your first choice to sell. Let's take a look at the breadth as we get the opening bell going here in the CNBC real-time exchange. And the big board, it's ETF Ishwar Exchange Traded Concepts at the NASDAQ Dune Acquisition Corp, a blank check company. Let's dive into NVIDIA, Jim. Uh, 104 beats 101, and revenue up 68 is a slight beat. In, NVIDIA was a remarkable quarter, and when I went over it with them, I mean, one of the things that's incredible is, is that, that people still focus on crypto. I mean, this is a play on gaming, but revolutionary gaming, play on data center. But at the end, the conference call, it's about metaverse. And, uh, and as we had, we'll, we'll hear about from Zuckerberg, but what, what Jensen wants a genius, okay? I mean, I call him Da Vinci for for reason and, and I named my dog NVIDIA for a reason it's because of Jensen and he's talking about creating your own universe and you could be find yourself in a factory you can find yourself in a stadium you can find yourself in an airport obviously you can find yourself talking with different people you can even program yourself so I was talking to them about the idea could I program myself and watch Cezanne do a seascape because he doesn't do seascapes and he said, yeah, sure why not I mean there isn't anything that you can't do and the final line here is that is that Jensen says the omniverse or the metaverse is going to be a new economy that is larger than our current economy. <laughs> I mean, he's talking about a world that doesn't exist that's it's going to be bigger than our building current from world. scratch. Yes, and, and, you know, a lot of people listening to him, and he kind of you know, he says he's very understated. And I'm listening, and I'm realizing, you know what, the world as I know it is not the world that Jensen, who has worked for ten years on that, sees it. So we do should envision a world that we walk into a room. And there's everybody we want to be there. And they all say how great looking you are and how you look thinner. Uh, it's absolutely true. We'll talk about Facebook in a moment. Um, they did say that the arm approval is taking longer than they that, thought. Yeah. And you know, if you ask for the bummer about this thing, it would be that uh, we still don't hear the magic bullet. It reminds me of analog devices yesterday, one of the things that everyone kept going on. They're trying to close a deal with Maxim, and they can't. Uh, or, or Boeing, uh, by the way, uh, with Cowan saying, listen, yep. the Chinese hate us. I mean, Cowan it, reiterates. Yeah. What you're seeing is, is that the, everything's taking longer. Now, the CEO of Arm did a very impassioned uh, st- speech he gave about why and, and tweets about why you have to prove this because we're going to lose otherwise. And uh, the, and NVIDIA has every, uh, every uh, desire to put as many engineers in, in the U.K. as possible. But. Do they really need it? Uh, it would be great if they got it. They can do well without it. I, I urge people to just read. Just, if you can't get through the whole NVIDIA conference call, which would be strange because Jensen's so entertaining, just go to the last four paragraphs and read about what the world's going to be like. Because I read, I remember when I read uh, Robinson Crusoe, 
Defoe, really great book. And it was a great look back. Or, or the Journal of the Plague Year, great look back. When you read this transcript, it's a great look forward. <laughs> and, and I'm, like, thinking, I can't. It's very hard to get your arms around. It's not like the loom versus people sewing. It's more like being on Mars when it's all civilized and saying, what was I thinking? What was I doing on Earth? Yeah. Uh, it is fascinating. By the way, Rosenblatt does go 250 to 300 yeah. on NVIDIA um, on this idea. Somebody said NVIDIA is kind of like Target in that it wasn't the blowout where normally you normally associate with the quarter, but it's so loved that it's not going to get smacked no, in, in a severe it, way. It can. And I think NVIDIA is the key to so many different companies. For instance, they're not disturbed about autonomous. They're working with Mercedes-Benz, a very good partner. I asked them why they put Mercedes-Benz in the don't you like this car? <laughs> Good reasons, any. <laughs> Benz, yeah, I love. I would love to get a Benz, but yeah, it's very hard to really critics, criticize a company that is so far ahead of everybody else. And by the way, gaming, uh, which a lot of people feel is peaking because it's indoor versus outdoor, the numbers for gaming worldwide are so extraordinary that we have to accept the fact that it's one of the great secular, not secular trends. It's not, it's a, not cyclical. Yeah. It is a secular trend, and there's a lot of good evidence in the NVIDIA conference call that tells you about Yeah, that. NVIDIA uh, gaming revenue up 85%. That's just incredible. Yeah, amazing. Uh, Macy's uh, was a beaten raise. Um, they uh, share buyback. Uh, yes. Reinstate the dividend. Dead Are we talking about department stores again? Uh Yes, we have to. And I think that one of the things that happened, you know, he's got this player strategy. A lot of people doubted it. So when is it going to kick him? It kicked him with force this quarter. And a lot of what he's doing, and now I know the comparable sales of 61% isn't necessarily what we should look at. We need it against the 2019, but he's got a nice one, plus 5.8%. That's unusual. And also uh, the fact that he, he talks about the pandemic impacting a lot of categories. What I like the most about it was that they're bringing in new customers. One of the things that had, I've always talked to Jeff Kinnett about is, Macy's, is that like like my mom's store? My mom worked at Gimbel's, by the way, which was trounced by Macy's. Know, yes. And they've got 5 million new customers to the Macy's brand. That's a 30% increase over 2019. 41% of new customers came through the digital channel. It's working for Jeff Gannett. It's working. And those of us who follow his career are thrilled that this happened. Debt pay down, dividend back, buyback. Because Jeff... You, you got him. You're going to stick around for it, aren't you? Maybe. I've got a lot of sticking around. Stick around. Yeah. A lot of sticking around. But <laughs> I, I, I like Jeff very much. And I remember when he first came in, I said, listen, you pay down debt, everything's going to be good. And uh, pay down, he's paying down debt. Everything is good. I'm surprised the stock is it's more muted than it should be. But once again, people decided that the market's going lower. Uh, by the way, people say oil's going down. When oil was going up, we, were, we hated that, right? Because yes, it's yes. expensive. Now oil's going down. We hate that. We hate it shows everything. <laughs> we hate everything. Yes. We, we're haters. Yes. High haters. Yeah, we're haters. Guilty. Very guilty. But we were um, very funny with Chuck. Does Chuck come back? Yeah, I was like, making that. You know, um, oh, yeah. Like, run pass option. You like that one, the RPM. Uh, Jim, speaking of department stores um, reports that Amazon is considering large retail locations, 30,000 square feet locations Wait, akin to a part department the stores. The stock's down 11% and their solution is brick and mortar? No, I don't want that. I mean, I want same morning service. Do they not, like, not listen? I mean, are they like tone deaf? We don't want more brick and mortar. We want more Amazon. Yeah. And negative again for the year, as you pointed out no. earlier on Squawk. Boy, fang. Yeah, we're going back to Fang being Apple. We're going back to 1A Fang. I mean, I put the second A in Fang. I can take it out. Uh, yeah, Apple. Or, no, you're talking Alphabet, which I think it gets... Would. Oh, jeez, did you hear 
Uh, Dan Niles talk about how the the caught about how Alphabet's the cheapest basically it's ever been. That is a very interesting call because they have tremendous growth. Uh, I know that it is fun to trash Amazon right now. Uh, and we all, I think, I'm waiting for the narrative which says, but hey, remember when Bezos was CEO? Mm-hmm. We, we haven't heard that yet, so I'm going to interject it. I, I think that Chassis is amazing. I don't understand why the stock keeps going down. Other than people say, you know what, we're going out more than ever. But you say that, then people say, well, no, we're not because of the variant. We're staying in more than ever. Oh, let's just say we're still using Amazon, and the brick and mortar is an interesting sideshow. In the same way, the whole foods turned out to be a right. sideshow for them. Um, Ford, Jim, is uh, lowest since May. It's killing me. Um, They're going to close Kansas City F-150 temporarily because they can't get chips out of Malaysia. This Nikkei report that Toyota is going to cut September production by 40 percent. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Ford is so much more linked to Taiwan Semi than it is to Malaysia. Malaysia is much more linked to GM. Uh, Malaysia, of course, these are all just these are COVID. It's it's break. I don't know it's breakthrough, but. I urge people not to sell Ford because there's so many re- so many things that are going good at Ford, including all new models and a decision to no longer lose money in a lot of different places versus the chip shortage. And the chip shortage is real. Uh, I'm not denying that. But it, what you're going to do is everyone's going to be equally held down by the chip shortage. And then you're going to have to see which one's actually better. And I think Ford's doing better than all the others because of new models. Uh, I'm waiting for my Maverick. Waiting, waiting, waiting. Uh, I do think that uh, that this is a new Ford in terms of the way it's, it's being financial and in, and in how quickly it's introducing new products. People say that, I look, I like Farley too much. Well, I like Farley at six. I've been doubled down at 12. <laughs> I don't know. He's been very, very good to you. Farley's been very good, yes. and I just think that of the ones that you just saw on the board, go buy Ford. Yeah. You see Toyota down three. It was a big news in Japan overnight. Phil LeBeau has more on it for us. Hey, Phil. Hey, Carl, and an announcement now coming from Toyota North America saying that they will be cutting their production in August between 60 and 90,000 vehicles. We don't know the exact percentage, but that's a huge cut for production here in August in North America. Toyota Motor Corporation, TMC, out of Japan will be cutting production about 40 percent, according to reports in September. So what you're seeing here is because of the global chip shortage, it's finally catching up with Toyota. Remember, early on, There were a number of stories written about the fact that following the Fukushima uh, earthquake and tsunami, there was a new mandate in Japanese business that you have to have enough inventory in case something like that would ever happen again. And so they had enough chips in their inventory to weather the storm much better than their competitors, whether it be General Motors, Ford, Volkswagen, you name the company around the world. Well, it appears that it's finally catching up. You can only use your inventory for so long, guys, before the tight supply of chips worldwide finally catches up. And remember, we've had these issues in Asia with some of the chip factories because of COVID-19 has been hurting their production over there, whether or not that's led to Toyota cutting its production here in North America as well as around the world. I don't know. But at this point, guys, you're seeing Toyota now also being impacted because of the global chip shortage. Guys, back to you. Phil, really quick on the on the Ford news, as we were saying earlier, this Kansas City F-150. Are you bracing yep. for a wave of announcements of plants being closed for a couple of weeks at I'm least? I'm not bracing for it, Carl. We've seen this on a pretty regular basis, not just from Ford, but from all of the automakers. Closed for a week, back up to production. Closed for two weeks, uh, partial production. And, and look, it's been across the board. It's been with every automaker. 
So you can't look at Ford and say, oh, well, here we go. They're more impacted than somebody else. We've seen this with a number of the automakers. You pick them, they've gone through this where they have had to bring down a plant in a particular location or with a particular model for a week or two weeks, and then they bring it back up. Phil, thanks. We'll uh, stay on top of it with, with your help. Our Phil LeBeau talking some Toyota and Ford today. You raised a really good point. If everybody's being hurt equally, don't do it when we start looking at one that's worth buying. And I, I have liked Ford. I'm going to reiterate that I like Ford because I think that Ford has a better chipset coming. Remember, this is about full-featured chips. Let's just say why this is happening. Uh, NVIDIA does not make full-featured chips. They make the most complex cards there is. AMD, no. Why? Because that's not where the profit is. The full feature is not profitable that much. So the companies that are big semis that we listen to have stayed away from this one area because there's not a lot of money made in a $2 to $3 chip. But that's what's holding people back. Sure. So I'm saying, okay, well, let's, let's decide if everybody's held back. Who's got the best models? Who's going to be most disciplined? And the reason I want that is because the car market is incredibly hot. <laughs> yes, but I've is. never seen it there, this there, hot in my lifetime. Can, you can barely get one. Yes. Uh, I mean, you know, a hybrid model, you listen to Chuck. And Chuck did say, by the way, shortage could last next year. Yeah. You listen to Chuck. Well, all you think about Chuck Robbins here, uh, CEO of Cisco, is I need a car to get around. I'm at home. I thought, I was, I thought I'd take public chance to get there. No, i got to build a whole new ecosystem at yeah. home. Yeah. Um, speaking of being at home uh, and the degree to which you can work in the office remotely from home, uh, Facebook's all over it today. Shares down 1%, but Zuckerberg was on CBS, talked about what they're calling Horizon Workrooms, Jim. Uh, AR, uh, augmented reality, in which your avatar is at a desk with your coworker, um, and that's how you operate in Uh, in the metaverse. I usually do not want to criticize uh, Zuckerberg, because I'll leave that to the 317 million other people in the country. But uh, his crude drawings, which remind me of Adobe crude drawings, differ very much from the what uh, what Jensen Wong and Nvidia talk about, which is exact life-like situations. Your avatar is you. And that's what you want. You don't want these little silly droids. Now, maybe he's got that already, but it looks like the Simpsons. When, when I saw what, yeah, we'll see, that's, no. Yeah. I mean, you know, look, okay, so that's uh, uh, Rothko. I'm talking about Rembrandt. <laughs> and and what, what, what is so great about Jensen is, is that he'll put up stormtroopers uh, from, from Star Wars. And they'll put up stormtroopers. And there's two pictures right up. Just which one's the real and which one's fake. You can't tell. And one of that is, is because Jensen sh- knows shading. I mean, you know, this man is an architect, but he also knows Charoscuro. Remember that one? Of course. Charoscuro? Yes. He's Mr. Charoscuro. I mean, he said, look at the shading. Look at the way it is. And so you can't tell. Zuck- Zuckerberg, he let us sit down. I know that, but by the way, Apple's talked about it in the conference. You never can- Only Jensen is allowed to mention the word Apple, right? But the lifelike nature of you. In the stadium, watching the Eagles crush the Falcons. Yep, yep. It's better than the actual. You can't get COVID if you're in there. So whether it's Eagles, uh, you know, whether it's courtside at at a game or or this workrooms concept, you think it's the future to some degree? Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Jensen told me uh, two years ago, he said, five years from now, this is what you're going to be looking at. I said, well, how come you know? And he goes, well, I kind of, how come you don't know? Right. So I can't see around the corner. Uh, but Jensen, who, by the way, figured out a way to grow grass on the sides of his walls. If he can <laughs> do that, it, it, you go to his headquarters and there's grass everywhere. And don't forget, this is the man who gave my dog, not me, gave my dog a pass, a lifetime pass to be able to go in. And then immediately when, uh, when I got NV- NVIDIA the second, even before I got a dog collar, boom, 
got his card gutted to <laughs> NVIDIA headquarters, where the grass is on the side. I, I, you, can't, you can't. It's too hard. I mean, can you imagine your, who was our uh, the Solaria? Who was the, the Mozart guy? The, the, oh, Salieri. Salieri. Yes. And we're all Salieri yeah, in his yeah. Mozart. He's so good. Yeah, he's Kershaw number whatever. Yes. Uh, the king of the mundane, right? The king of the mediocre. Yes. Um, we're, we're obviously uh, much better than uh, futures indicated, but we're watching the VIX above 22. Let's well, get to Bob. Well, we heard that at the happen. Hey, Bob. Week, uh, week open, guys. But the low print was right at the open. And uh, the VIX is not seasonally unusual. I'll show you that in a minute here. The good news is it's the cyclical sectors that are weak right now. And that ha- often happens in August. And we've got concerns on COVID. So this makes some sense here. So if you look at what's moving things here, we've got the most important thing is to re- reduce growth expectations around the Delta variant, uh, reduced vaccine effectiveness. We saw Jan Hatzius at Goldman reducing his numbers for GDP. That implies potentially lower earnings estimates. That's the most important thing that's been happening. Uh, The timing of the Fed tapering, I think, is a bit of a secondary thing. I think they've been pretty good communicating that. China regulation woes we have as well. And also remember, it's August, and I'll show you why that's a factor here. If you look at the sectors that are moving here, again, it's the cyclical. So you see energy and materials uh, on the weaker side. Uh, Tech is uh, down, but not as much. And defensive names like utilities, healthcare, and consumer staples are holding up better. This is very typical of what we see uh, for uh, the month. Uh, and what you want to do is watch for correlations picking up. So far, they haven't. So look what's going on this week in terms of the sectors. It's the cyclicals that are weak. And again, this makes some sense. Energy and materials, uh, industrials are the weakest group. Tech is down, but not as much. And defensive groups like healthcare and utilities and consumer staples are doing better. In other words, more defensive tone, cyclicals are weaker, uh, reopening stuff is weaker. That makes sense given the concerns about the Delta variant that's out there. The other thing that makes some and and be careful if this correlation changes, that's going to be a problem. If suddenly you start seeing a lot of selling in tech and healthcare, this could go from a two or three percent correction to a five or six percent correction very quickly. The other thing I know nobody wants to hear it, but it is August. In August, you get very low volume and you get strange volatility spikes. It always happens mid-August to mid-October, low volume. And then all of a sudden things just kind of blow up. You typically have strength in defensive names like staples and healthcare. You typically have weakness in cyclicals uh, like energy materials and technologies somewhere in the middle. A lot of people are concerned about the VIX. Carl mentioned the VIX. What's weird is what we've been seeing. There's been no one percent days in in there's been a few, but very few this year and very few in the last few months. So the VIX is suddenly spiking up a little bit. It was 24 earlier and everybody said, oh, my heavens. But it was 25 this point last year. And it always spikes up at least once or twice. Let me just show you here. Uh, between middle August, middle October, you usually get one or two spikes. Last time it was 41 in October of 2020, 25 in, in August. In 2019, it was 25. In 2018, it hit 28. 2017 was a bit of an anomaly. It was only at 17. But you get the idea. This happens fairly often uh, for uh, midsummer spikes. We have an unusual situation with COVID. Just bear in mind the seasonality factor does matter. Finally, if you don't know where to go, people are just wandering around. What do we do? Everybody's looking at technicals. Uh, The 50-day moving average is 43.48. And you can see that 50-day moving average line there we drew for you. That's the purple line there. And pretty good support there. That's actually not a bad chart. Uh, If you're a technician, you would pay a lot of attention. Uh, It's sitting right on that 43.48. 
48. Guys, we'll keep a close eye on that number. Carl, back to you. Uh, fascinating uh, work on the VIX there, Bob. Thank yeah. you, Bob Pisani. Uh, later today on Tech Check, don't miss our interview with ARK Invest's Kathy Wood coming up wow. at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time. A lot to ask Kathy about. First, though, the bond report. Take a look at how Treasuries are faring this morning. Uh, Ten-year settling in right just below one and a quarter. Not really moved around a whole lot, even after Philly was Philly Fed was the lowest print of the year and claims 348K is a new post-COVID low. We're back in a moment. We'll get stopped trading with Jim in just a moment, but first take a look at two earnings movers moving in opposite directions today. Robinhood down almost 9% on their guidance about a seasonally weaker September quarter. Macy's, though, uh, started the morning pretty strong, gaining strength here, almost back to 20, up 10% as they uh, raise their guidance, reinstate the dividend. We'll talk to Jeff Gannett in a little bit. Don't go away. Stop trading with Jim. Well, Coles gave you everything you wanted. They had incredible earnings per share. They're getting very aggressive about uh, repurchasing. Uh, I've got to tell you that they've got the right merchandise. They're getting out the raw merchandise. They're rolling out Sephora. That was the steal from JCPenney. Uh, it's very funny to hear Amazon wanting to build brick and mortar. They should just go by Coles. Remember, you've got that relationship <laughs> with Coles. I mean, maybe Coles doesn't want to sell, but that's why I would buy it. I, well, we were here at this desk the day they bought Whole Foods, one of the shows that I will never forget. It broke and, right at 9 o'clock. Right, I was like, <laughs> my jaw dropped. It. Walter Robb, selling it. Walter Robb's still a great foodie. Uh, but I do think that it does make sense because they've got that relationship. We can turn things there. It is crazy for Amazon to start building. They should just go by Colson. Yeah. Um, session highs, I mean, here in the first few moments, Jim, I just wonder whether or not you think. The- okay, uh, the, the th- day three has typically been the day, the turned day. And I've got to tell you, when, when I watch Europe go down, I don't know if people understand this Monty Dupasky story. It's the oldest bank in the world. I went to see it. Uh, it's in Siena. It's just gorgeous. But it also is the fortress. And it's going to be taken over. And I think a lot of people realize that the banking system is terrible in Europe. Our banking system is terrific. I am not going to start selling our stocks because of Monty Dupasky. Which, by the way, when I tried to do business with yes. them, it's like, you know, wow, what's a, what's a coverage? Yeah, it's a, uh, the FDIC over there is not the same as ours. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.